You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. John 4 and 23 said, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. And I just, the, the, the title of this thought tonight is simply this. Are you a worshiper? Are you a worshiper? Amen. Obviously, if you've been around Pentecostal churches very much, you know by now that uh, Pentecostals have long been noted for the way that they worship. I remember when I was a boy, uh, it was very common to hear people talk about Pentecostals, and they called us holy rollers. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, honestly, I, I've seen a few people roll around in the floor in my life, but I didn't, that wasn't a regular occurrence. But, but it, was, it was well known that if you went to a Pentecostal church, uh, something was going to happen. Amen. I mean, people came to, I think some people came to Pentecostal churches just because they wanted to see a show. They really didn't, they didn't call themselves Pentecostal, didn't care to be Pentecostal, but they knew that it wasn't going to be boring, and they, it was the cheapest thing in town to go to and get something, you know, get, have some fun, and uh, I really believe that that's what some people thought. But most people don't realize, but real worship is one of the most powerful tools that we as the children of God have at our disposal. Amen. Listen to me again. I said worship is one of the most powerful tools that we have in our hands. There's something that takes place when people really worship God. I'm not talking about doing what the person that's behind the pulpit tells you to do. There is a difference. Amen. I'm talking about when you, sitting back here or wherever you happen to be, really, really worship God. There's nothing else that can compare to that. Amen. If you're in a service where true worship is happening, there's a presence and a supernatural power that's generated in that building or in that atmosphere that can literally be felt. It's, it's a tangible feeling. Amen. God has always desired to be worshipped. Amen. John simply said here that God is looking for worshipers. Amen. And let me say this. He's looking for worshipers that will give themselves to worship without reserving anything. I believe when we walk into the house of God. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just talk. If you'll allow me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be Pastor Dwayne right now, okay? When I, 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 I'm not an evangelist right now. I, I may be, have been in the past and may do a little evangelizing in the future. But right now, I'm going to be a pastor. But in, in worshiping, I, I know that sometimes when we come into the house of God, we have all kinds of different ideas about worship. And, and we reserve some things for ourselves. Amen. Now, I, I'm going to talk about the difference here in a moment of, between praise and worship. There is a vast difference. People talk about praise. They worship. They, they link the words together as if they're the same thing. There's a very big difference between the two of them. Amen. Our, our opening passage calls for spirit and true Truth worship. He said he's looking for people that will worship him not only in spirit but also in truth. Amen. So there's an, an attitude of worship in, in, in what takes place in us. The word spirit that's used here is taken from a Greek word, pneuma, 
meaning a, a, a current of air or a, or a breath or a blast or a, even a breeze. Amen. It also deals with mental disposition. This is the same word that's used 90 times in 89 verses to describe the, the Holy Ghost, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's the Holy Ghost that was poured out. And I'm, I'm talking about the same Holy Ghost that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Amen. Amen. It's the same Holy Ghost that fell on the household of Cornelius. And it's the same Holy Ghost that Jude wrote about over toward the end of your Bible. In Jude 20, he said, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves. Look at that. Building up yourselves on your uh, most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. In other words, God is looking for worshipers that will worship Him, uh, not in our, how we happen to feel. Amen. Now, some of you worked, you've worked for three days. You came in here tired tonight. You've had pressures. You've had turmoil. You've had other things that bothered you through, through your week. I'm not trying to put something in your mind that's not there, but I know how it is to be out there surrounded by the world. And so you come into church sometimes on Wednesday night, literally feeling like you're just dragging in the door. And you just feel like that sometimes you'd rather be sitting at home on the back deck with a glass of iced tea in your hand just with your feet propped up, smelling the grill as it... Come on. I haven't mentioned food yet. I just talked about the grill. But we come to church. Why? And, 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 you know, here's the problem that we have sometimes. We walk into the church and we think, well, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm here. pastor doesn't have to call me now and see where I'm at because I'm in church. But don't expect a whole lot out of me tonight. Now, God's looking for people that will worship Him in spirit. That means I'm going to come and I'm going to give everything. I, I'm not, I didn't can't come with a list of res, re, uh, reservations written down tonight. I'm going to come and I'm going to pour myself into worship. I don't care how tired I am. God deserves worship. I don't care if the boss screamed at me at work today. God still deserves worship. Amen. Amen. He deserves the best that I can give him. And so real worship, spirit and truth worship, is no reservations. I'm not coming in here and saying, well, my feet hurt tonight. My back hurts. Or, you know, we could th think of a thousand and one things to, to just sit on a pew. But I'm telling you something when you think about what God has done for you. Then you ought to open up your heart and say, okay, God. I don't care if my feet hurt, my back hurts, my head hurts, if I'm sick with the flu, whatever it is. I came in here tonight, and I'm going to worship you. Praise God. No reservation. Hallelujah. There are too many services that pass by. I, I, I believe this with all of my heart, that when uh, I don't care if it's a Sunday or Sunday morning or Sunday night or a Wednesday or whatever other night you have service, God's the same God. We have these restrictions. Okay, this is a Wednesday night. We can, we can just kind of coast. This is, this is Sunday morning. You know, everybody's tired. We can coast. I'm telling you something. God is the same God. I don't care what hour of the day or the night it is. He deserves the best that I can give him. Amen. Hallelujah. 
I ought to be able to pour out praise and worship unto God any, any moment of the day. There's nights I wake up in the middle of the night, and the devil, you know, I, I found the older you get, the harder. To, I, I used to wonder, people say, well, I can't, I, I'm get, at this age, I just can't sleep much in the morning in, like I used to. I used to think, you're nuts. I can Give me a good old, you know, let me sleep in some morning. I'll sleep till, you know, whatever. And seven o'clock, now it's like. I woke up in the middle of the night and laid there in bed, and I thought, devil, if you're going to wake me up with you know, whatever's going on right now, then I'm going to praise God. I got out of my bed and walked into the other room just so I wouldn't disturb my wife. I mean, there's no sense in both of us being up all night long, so I go in the other room, and I'll just start talking to the Lord. Now, I have discovered this. If, you know, don't take something for sleep. Just pray. Don't take sleep remedies. Just go pray someplace. You'll go to sleep. You want a good night's sleep? You wake up in the middle of the night. You want to go? I'm serious. I'm just as serious as I can be right now. You want a good night's sleep? Just start praying. The devil just rock you right off back to sleep. Go, go back to sleep. Dude, don't pray. Just sleep. But I, I've learned that it's impossible to really uh, worship God without doing so in the in the, in, in the Holy Ghost. You've got to have something on the inside of you. I, I, there's nothing worse than a fake worshiper. You watch, I'm not, I better not go there. Work, worshiping in, under the inspiration of the divine power of God. There's some, it, it is a divine visitation. Amen. It's powerful when the, the presence of God comes. His, he, it literally enters into us. You see, the Bible talks about this all over the place. I could spend a, a couple of hours here. Now, I'm not going to, but it spends, I could spend a couple of hours talking about what God desires from us in worship. Amen. And His presence literally enters into our worship. Amen. The Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of His people. Amen. The Bible says He dwells in the midst of praise. I, I looked that up one time and it literally means that God builds a house and lives there. You want to keep God living in your, on your street, let God hear praise and worship come out of you. You want, you want God to live where you're at. You want God to be in the middle of your dilemma and your problem. Start worshiping God. Hallelujah. I can promise you this. You worship God. God will build a house there. And God will live where your worship is. He'll stay there. As long as there's worship. As long as there's praise. God will come into that atmosphere. Amen. That's why sometimes a pastor. Now I'm not talking about. Your pastor didn't tell me what to preach. and I, So I don't have any idea. I don't go to church here. But sometimes I've watched pastors get up. Come on church. Come on let's worship him. Come on let's worship him and you know why they're saying that because they want the presence of God to move in they know they understand clearly or the worship leader or whoever's in charge of the worship they understand that when we begin to worship God something changes in the atmosphere amen I don't care how tired we are something happens and the power of God comes in and we change ourselves I've walked into church so tired I couldn't hardly pick up one foot and put it in front of the other but as I began to lift my voice to him and as you know some that I'm gonna get to this in a minute if I have time but let me just very quickly tell you the difference praise is what we do here 
It's the visible. You can see praise take place. Worship starts inside of here and nobody sees it. Worship is an intention that begins in the heart uh, or in the mind. And you say, I don't care, devil, what you did to me today. I don't care who talked about me. I don't care what's happening in my life. I, I'm coming to worship God. It's something that starts on the inside. As we begin to sing tonight, uh, at the beginning of this service, I, I, I thought about it, uh, what I was going to uh, teach on tonight. And I began to think about how it's something that, that starts, and, it, and maybe it starts small. Maybe you do come in tired and you don't really feel like, I'm so weary, I don't even know if I can move. But suddenly you start to sing. The young man that was sitting next to me, even before the service started, the, the musicians were playing up there. And he turned around and he looked at me. And he said, I feel like I want to cry. And I said, well, okay. He said, the music, there's something happening in here. This young man that sat right next to me, he said, there's something happening in here. And he said, I feel something. You know something? It, worship is born in the heart. Uh, amen. I can praise. and every, uh, Praise is what we do. I can, I can run the aisles. I can shout and dance. I can get loud and, and, and shout out praises. I'm going to tell you, if you know me or my brother Bob, you're gonna, I'm going to tell you right now. Don't, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't praise for you, but I'm gonna, you're going to hear me. We are related. That's, that's, that's good. The visible is good. But you can't do that on, on real if there's not worship that goes on first in the heart. I can lift my voice and say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, and be thinking about a ball game or something else or my golf score, whatever. I'm telling you something. Real worship uh, will start in here, and it will motivate other things to happen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm going to say this too. This doesn't have to happen collectively. Now, sometimes it does. But real worship has to happen individually. You're looking around thinking, well, if so-and-so gets up and starts to praise God, I will. Then you're not praising God. You're a puppet on a string. I don't, listen to me. Real worship, God doesn't care what Brother Andrew Romine's going to do. Now, he does, but for, for the sake of this illustration, he's looking at me, what are you going to do? I want to see if you're going to worship. I mean, this guy over here, that person over there, this person back here, they can do what they want, but I want to see you worship. I want to know if you are a worshiper. I'm looking for people that will worship me. I'm, I'm looking all over the place, but will you become a worshiper? And God wants to know what's going on. Now, listen to me. I can open my mouth and say things. They may not be true. And then, uh, come on now, I'm going to preach in a minute. Whew i got to slow down a little bit. I w I've watched people in, in services that literally pour themselves out in, in, in the service. Just literally. They didn't care what anybody else thought. They didn't care what was going on. They poured themselves into worship while others just watched them as if they were strange. Old sister so-and-so over here, she starts praising God, and you can see the love of God all over her, and, she's, and people are going, In the same service. So it has to happen individually. 
We can't properly worship God on Sundays if we're not worshiping Him all through the week. Worship doesn't just happen when you get to church on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. You need to worship God in the middle of the night. You need to worship God on the job on Monday morning. You need to worship God when you're driving down the street in traffic. You need to worship. Let me tell you something. Worship will change you. And, and, and what, what happens in worship, it, it will bubble over and there will be people around you that will feel it. They may not know what's going on, but when you're worshiping, and I'm not talking about standing on the job saying, oh, hallelujah. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real worship that goes on in the heart and people will, around you will begin to feel something. Amen. That's why people walk up to apostolics and they say, I, 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 I'm sorry if I'm intruding, but what's, what's different about you? There's something different about you. You know why? Because you have built a temple and God's presence is working in that temple and something is moving. Oh, hallelujah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to teach. I'm, I'm getting a little carried away. I said you can't worship God. You, you, don't come in here on Sunday and and jumping and, and twitching all over the place if you can't worship God through the week. Amen. Our worship has to begin inside of us. True worship is everything that we are. Everything that we are reacting to who He is. Amen. Amen. How many of you have ever had a tragedy in your life? Anybody? Raise your hand if you've ever had a tragedy. moments of fear if you've lived very long in in this world I'm going to just tell you this you're going to have some tragedy you're going to shed some tears there's going to be some disappointments people are going to hurt you amen there's going to be some times when there's business you're going to be misunderstood and there's going to be things that'll that'll happen in your life and so if we're not careful, we can go into a, into a bad place in our life when we think, well, you know, this person hurt me or that person said this or, or, I, or I lost a loved one here or this happened or that happened or, or, or you know, I, I, I was way up here and now I'm way down. And all of these things can happen to, to take us into a place that, that we lose touch with what we're supposed to be in touch with. I, I'm not, I don't worship God. My, my worship is not predicated upon how good everything's going. Amen. It's not predicated upon if I got the raise I wanted to get or if I got that position that I was looking for or if, or if I was able to buy the house that I wanted or the car that I wanted. It's not predicated upon whether somebody shook my hand or whether this person uh, misunderstood me. My worship is predicated upon the fact that Jesus Christ lived and died for my sins. Amen. He, he died for me. Amen. And He's blessed me. Amen. And I, so I have a lot of debt to pay back. And the very least that I can do is lift my hands to Him, lift my heart to Him, and begin to worship Him. I'll tell you what I feel. I feel like that when service starts, you ought to be the first person out of your seat saying, nobody's going to outpraise me. Nobody's going to outworship me. I've come to the house of God. I've got a lot to be thankful for. I've got a lot to praise Him for. I've got to worship Him because He's done more than I could ever repay. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
the Holy Ghost. You know, I want to be careful how I say this, but we shouldn't talk about having the Holy Ghost. Don't tell anybody you got the Holy Ghost out there in the world if you can't show it. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Should I be talking in tongues out there on the job so people know I got the Holy Ghost? No. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. If, you don't, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you're not going to have to go out and put a banner up and tell everybody you've got the Holy Ghost. If you've, got a, if you've got an apple tree growing in your yard, let me tell you a little secret. If you've taken care of it, pruned it, and all of the things are done to, to produce a crop of apples on it, at the right time of the, of the year, the, the, the right season, there's going to be apples on that tree, and you don't have to go get all the neighbors and round them up and say, look, guess what tree that is? Because if they've ever been around very much, they're going to say, that's an apple tree. You don't even have to ask them what it is. I mean, I could go down that road for a while. I'm telling you a little secret. If you're, bare, if you've, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to have some love. You're going to have some joy. You're gonna, you walk around all the time with a big old frown on your face, and you're angry all the time, and you're bitter all the time. You better get back down to an altar and talk to God about what's going on in here because the fruit of the Spirit needs to be seen out on the branches. Amen. There's people around you that need to be able to look at you and say, there's something different about that person. But part of that is joy. <laughs> the Bible talks about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. There needs to be something evident in me if I've got the power of God working in me. I don't have to go around and say, I got the Holy Ghost, I got the Holy Ghost, I got, you know, I got the Holy Ghost. They're going to start to see the Holy Ghost. They're going to see the evidence of it. God is looking for the evidence of a worshiper. Amen. He wants to see something on the inside. The Holy Ghost is the element that causes you to reflect rightly toward God. Amen. It's possible that you can have the Holy Ghost and still not be a worshiper. Because there are two factors evident in worship. <clears throat> First of all, it's the spiritual. Amen. The spiritual. When God begins to it's like, again, this young man that was sitting here. I didn't even get to know his name. He just didn't care who I was. He didn't know I was the guest preacher. I'm, I'm the big high and holy potentate that's going to preach tonight. He just turned around to me and said, I feel something. He said, I want to cry. Makes me want to cry. There's something moving in here. And I, and I watched him while the singers were singing. I don't know if he knew the songs or not. I just kind of observed him for a moment. And his mouth was moving. His eyes were blinking. And he had big tears in his eyes. Amen. There's something supernatural and spiritual about worship. Amen. It, it, it's the atmosphere. It's, it's, the, it's the presence. I've, I've had people that walked into our church. for the, This happens frequently. I mean, we have guests every Sunday. I, 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 don't, I don't know, in the last year, Sister Bollinger, has there been a Sunday we haven't had guests walk in? 
And almost every time, Brother Romine, every time they walk in after the service is done or sometime during the service, if I, if I happen to stop by them and greet them, they say, and there's something here I've never felt anywhere before. We just had a, a man come, uh, one, of our young men, one of our ministers uh, had had him do some work on his house, and he's a handyman, he does all kinds of work, and he came to church uh, as a result of an invitation, and he sat in the service, and when service is done, I noticed the guy, I didn't know whether he liked the service or just couldn't wait till it was over, but uh, he, he was just intent, he didn't take his eyes, he just stared at me, like just, when the service is over, I went down, I'm going to greet him. I hadn't had a chance to yet, and I stuck my hand out. He grabbed both his hands around my hand, and he just gripped my hand. He said, I, I go to a big, he goes to a very, very large church in our city. And he said, I've never in my life felt anything like I felt in this place today. So worship, there, there, was a, there was an attitude of worship. There was a lot of worship going. You don't understand. <clears throat> you say, well, it doesn't affect me if I don't worship. Well, it does affect you, but it also affects other people too. That's why the, the, the pastor a lot of times or the worship leader will be, will be up here behind this desk and they'll say, come on, people, come on, let's worship God. Come on, let's worship God. And, you know, honestly, that's a shame. We should never have to cheerleader cheerlead worship there ought to be an attitude of every saint of God when we walk into the house I, I don't care if anybody else does I'm going to I'm going to worship him and so we walk into the house with this attitude in our heart I came in here to worship God and I'm, I don't care if anybody else does or if everybody else stops I'm going to worship him and so we worship but it has an effect on people around that sinner walking through the door. It may be the only chance that they ever get to feel the presence of God. What happens if it, you know, I, I, I've heard people say, well, it was just one of those nights. Well, that's not God's fault. See, I'd stop evangelizing and started pastoring. So there is a spiritual aspect of worship. It literally, it, it's like, a, it's like, um, I don't know how to describe it really, but it's almost like starting a fire that begins to spread. And, and people in the room start to feel it. And there is something about the worship that takes place. Maybe you're the one that's the igniter. Maybe somebody sitting next to you is the igniter, but somebody needs to be. And, and it spreads. And so the spiritual aspect of it. But there's also the natural aspect of worship. Now, <clears throat> um, I, I said something, I, I was talking to our church along these lines not too long ago, and I, I asked them, I said, how many of you have a dog at home? Quite a few people raised their hand. Um, now, I can't say this for cats, because cats, they, they could care less whether you live in the house or not, just as long as you put a little food in the bowl every once in a while and just kind of you know, leave them alone. They wonder why you're even there sometimes. <laughs> have you ever looked at a cat, they look at you like, what are you doing here? This is my house. But dogs, you walk in the door and the, that, that dog, I mean, their whole body, they don't just wag their tail. The whole body wags. You know, they're just, if you've been gone shopping for a couple hours and come in the door, the dog just looks at you, those brown eyes or whatever the eyes, and they just wiggle all over. You ever, have you ever thought about that? That's worship. They're exhibiting, I'm serious. 
They're exhibiting to you how much they think about you. They can't, they can't even imagine their life without you. Cat can imagine life without you. That's, it's, it's much quieter when you're not around. It's just nice around here when you're not around. But the dog, no. They, they, the second you're out there, they talk about separation anxiety. I've never heard of a cat with separation anxiety. I could go down that road a ways too, Brother Romine, but I'm not going to. But dogs have separation anxiety, and they get nervous when you leave. Why? They want you around. They love you. They care about you. Now, I don't mean to try to, you know, equate us to dogs. Okay? <laughs> Jesus did call the Gentiles all dogs, didn't he? <laughs> but when we come into the presence of God, I mean, we say, the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name. He's he, a promise he made. He said, I'll come. I'll be there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up. I'm going to be there. And so when, when, I, when, I, when I come to church, I don't have to surmise if God's coming. I wonder if God's going to be there tonight. He doesn't take vacations. I'm not preaching against vacations, but God doesn't ever take one. You know why? Because he can be everywhere at once. We have to get up and go someplace. God doesn't have to do that. He's already there. And so we come into the house of God and sometimes we act like, well, you know, we bring our attitudes, we bring our, 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 we bring our, our, you know, problems, we bring our worries, we bring all, and, and we let those things dictate whether or not we're going to worship God. Now, I'm going to say this, not to be funny, but we need to get into the presence of God and start doing a little wiggling. God needs to know we're excited that he's in the house, that, that, that he's home, that, that we're in his presence and something. I, I want God to know that I care about him. I'm not just going to sit here on this pew and do nothing. I'm not going to just sit here like I'm a dead person. I'm, I'm going to show God that I care about being in his presence, that I'm excited that he's here. And so in the natural, something needs to happen. I can't just be spiritual. Some people say, well, I'm internal. No, you are not internal. I've heard some people that were so quiet, so placid. Somebody pull out, pull out in front of them in traffic, and they just lose their mind. No, you're not. I'm going to tell you something. You come and tell me you're placid, and I promise you I can find the button that will make you be unplacid. I will find it. You hang around for a little bit. I'll find it. And I promise you I can get some stuff out of you that you never thought would come out of you. I'm talking to you now. We have got to learn that this is not all just internal. There's got to be some externals. I've heard people say, well, okay, if God wants me to do this or that, he'll... I, I'm just waiting for him to make me do it. Well, that's not worship. If I have to tell my wife, baby, you haven't told me in a week you love me. Now tell me you love me. Man, we wouldn't have a relationship very long. About the fourth or fifth time of that, I'd say, we got a problem. We need some counsel. We need to help. I heard about a guy that married his wife, and she, he kept trying to get her to say, or she kept wanting him to tell, 
just say you love me. And he said, I told you that when we got married. And if it ever changes, I'll let you know. That's not the kind of relationship God wants. The Bible says, listen to me. The Bible says, Jesus said this. He said he is looking for worshipers. He's looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He's not looking for somebody that he has to yank out, out of a seat and say, you're going to worship me today. That he, He's watching you. He's standing and observing you to see if you're a worshiper. He's watching to see if you can respond in the presence of God. Are you, do you care about what I've done for you? Are you concerned about how many prayers I've answered for you? Do you care that I took away your sins? Do you care that I died on a cross for your sins? Do you care that I'm trying to save your family? Do you care that I've helped you pay your bills? Do you care that I've kept you safe? Like we're sitting back, well, why should I worship? Why shouldn't you worship? I think there needs, I think every apostolic church ought to be so visible in their worship that nobody walking through a door ought to ever wonder whether we're apostolic or what we are. They ought to walk through the door and say, yep, I found them. Here they are. And I'm talking about from the first note on the piano. If this young man sitting, how long has this young fellow been in church? A couple of months. If he can feel the power of God moving before the service ever even starts, what about us that we've been in church for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years? Come on. When I look back over the road that God has brought me down and I see all the wonderful things, I'm not even supposed to be here breathing tonight. But when I think about what God has done, I can't sit on my hands. I, I've got to worship Him. Hallelujah. When that first note of music starts, we better never let these young people that, that are brand new young people coming into the church out worship us. He wasn't worried about what happened today. There was just an attitude. He said, I feel like crying. I just feel like crying. There's, a, there's an internal. That's the spiritual. But there needs to be an external. I don't want to wait and see if God's going to yank me out of my seat. I want, I want to do it long before that ever gets here. In fact, I want to do it before I feel like doing it. If we wait long enough, we'll soon, I mean, the atmosphere itself will bring you to the place where you feel like doing it, where you feel like lifting your hands, where you finally feel like praising God, where you finally feel, if we wait long enough, you know what I want, how I, the, the kind of worshiper I want to be, Brother Romine, I want to be the guy that gets, sits here and feels like I'm just as miserable as could be, but you know what, I came here to worship, and so that's what I'm going to do. worship because he deserves it. Not because I like the song that's sung or don't like the song. I'm not going to sing this. I'm not going to worship now because I don't like the, the, the particular kind of music that's being played or I don't, this is not my style or that's not, I'm going to just tell you this. You better stop worrying about styles because if, we, if it was all about styles, we'd still be back in David's time singing the Psalms. Yeah. 
with a harp. In Hebrew. Yeah, but this, the, these young people today, they sing songs I just don't like. Well, they, you, your generation probably sings songs that the other people didn't like. Is this all right, Brother Roman? Am I way out of line? The nice thing about it is I'm going home and straighten this out when I get gone. I'm an old person. And I'll be quite honest. I just told our worship team, long as the songs glorify Jesus Christ, they may not be my style, my taste, but if they give glory to God, then I'll sing right along with you. Different, different, come on. Some of you sitting on me. I'm in the word. I'm in the word. Are you still with me? Okay. We talked about worshiping in spirit. Let's talk about worshiping in truth. The word truth here means without deceit and honesty. Without deceit and with honesty. This is where we come into the picture. I'd like to read the opening text again. And I'm going to try to wind down here in just a few minutes. But I'm going to read this opening text again. I'm going to add the, the 24th verse as well. John 4 and 23 and 24, the hour cometh. This is Jesus' words. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers, the true worshipers, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Pay careful attention to verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must. must. It didn't say could or should. or it, it's, This is not a suggestion. The word must is not a suggestive word. It's an assertive word. They, wor- that, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, what he's saying here is this. It's very simple. Don't worship me if you're not going to do it the right way. I'll tell you something, God doesn't even receive it if it's not done the right way. There's a physical aspect of worship that can't be substituted with anything. Acts chapter 17 and verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord." That they should seek the Lord. If haply or perhaps they might feel after him and find him. Though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. Hallelujah. We should seek the Lord. If perhaps we might feel after him and find him. When we worship in truth, we leave logic behind. 
Amen. We leave logic behind. We cross over from the, the realm of logic into the realm of faith. Amen. Truth is complete honesty. You, you, you don't, listen to me. If you're going to really worship, you've got to stop caring what other people think. You've got to stop wondering what brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so is doing. You've got to wa- stop worrying about what song is being sung or if it's one you like or don't like. You've got to stop worrying about who's where and who's preaching or what. Come on, real worship is beyond all of that. It's giving of self without being asked. Nobody has to coach you in real worship. Nobody has to beg you to worship when it's real worship. Come on now. Nobody has to tell you, come on, please worship. If you're going to worship, you're going to worship. Amen. Nothing's going to coach you. Nothing's going to beg you. Listen to me. Complete, real worship, honest worship is complete, utter dependence on God. Amen. Now, now let, I'm going to say something. This is profound, so hang on to your seats. But real worship is combining what you can do with what God can do. You see, if it was, if it was up to us, we'd just come sit down on a seat someplace, and we'd just wait for God to smack us on the head. Here I am, God, just, just hanging around, just waiting. Boom, God hits us and says, okay, there you go. You're good for another week. Seriously, nothing in your body wants to get up and move like that. Nothing, nothing in your spirit really wants to respond. Your flesh hates worshiping. What's somebody going to say if I stand up and raise my hands, tears running down? Come on, I got to keep my composure now. I, I, now come on, I, I got to hang on here. Somebody going to look at me and think I'm, I'm losing it. You, maybe sometimes we do need to lose it. Amen. It's combining what I can do because there's a part that I can do and there's something I can't do. But when I, com- when I step out by faith and I begin to combine what I can do with what God can do. Amen. Something, there's a crescendo that happens in the midst of all of that. And some, we leave services time after time saying, man, we had a good church service tonight. You know why? Because there was a handful of worshipers in the house. They didn't care what anybody else thought. And they said, I'm going to worship God tonight. And because of that, they did what they could do. And God came down and met. And everybody else got the, the, the flow over. Hallelujah. When you reach that place, amen, when you, you, you enter into a realm of the Holy Ghost, that, my friend, is when you have become a true worshiper. We are ultimately created for the purpose of worshiping God. It's no accident that the longest book in the entire Bible, the book of Psalms, is full of admonition concerning worship and praise to God. You can find worship in almost every book of the Bible, starting with Genesis, and go all the way to the end of the book. We get to the end of the Bible, we see saints and angels in heaven falling on their faces and worshiping God. Amen. I'm not going to read these, all of these scriptures, but you go back to the book of Revelation and, and read there how the, the, how the saints and the angels will fall and worship Him. Since worship will be the, the ceaseless activity in, in eternity. Amen. Uh, it's going to be, I believe it's going to be our greatest joy in heaven is to be able to worship God. You ever been in a, 
in an atmosphere, and I promise you, I'm about ready to close. But have you ever been in an atmosphere, a service, an incredible service where the power of God was moving? Maybe it was a camp meeting service or a service here at home or, or, or a, a general conference or some kind of a, a service someplace. And, and the power of God was so rich and so powerful in that place, you didn't want to leave? There's something inside of us, I'm talking about the spiritual aspect of worship. Something inside of us is connecting to an eternal presence. There's something that's happening that's drawing us. When we cross the threshold, and, and, you, and, and you, there, it's such a euphoria, you feel like, I don't want to walk out of this room. And, and sometimes you're some of the last, everybody else is gone. People are leaving and you're still hanging on. Why? Because we want to grab the last few shreds of whatever it was that we felt in that place. I believe the greatest activity of joy in eternity would be worshiping God. I believe when we cross the threshold, people talk about, well, I'm going to just go over and sit by the river of life and eat the fruit off the tree, and I'm just going to have me a good old time. I'll tell you what, while you're doing that, I'm going to be over in front of the throne. I'm going to say, oh, God, I thank you for taking this old wretch, and I thank you for cleaning me up, God, and I thank you for giving me my sins. I thank you. You say, well, we won't remember any of that stuff. Well, I don't know if we will or not, but I'm going to spend a long time in front of that throne because that's why I'm here. Stand with me here. I believe since that's going to be the greatest joy and the greatest thrill of eternity, we ought to be practicing it right now. Uninhibited worship is not just what God wants, but I believe that it's good for our soul. I could preach on praise another time, but I'm talking about worship right now. I'm not talking about just running the aisles and saying, whoo, that was good. Oh, my. You know what God's looking for? Worshippers. God's looking for, for somebody that doesn't care what anybody else will think on a Wednesday night. When it's almost time to go home and put the kids to bed. And get ready for your day tomorrow. God's looking for somebody that says, you know what? I'm not done yet. Still got a breath in me. I still got a little strength left in my limbs and my hands. And I'm going to give you some worship, God. I'm not just trying to draw a crowd up here at this altar. I'm just telling you, God's looking for some worshipers. And I'm not just talking about this Wednesday night. I'm talking about every day. Every day. Every, every morning when I wake up. When I, when I lift my face to the morning sun and I, and, and I feel the, the breath of God upon me again. And I say, oh God, thank you for another day. Thank you for keeping me through that day and through this night. God, I don't deserve any of this, but I'm so thankful. You see, nobody has to be around for you to worship, but He is He's gonna get. He's gonna. He's gonna in, enter into that place where worship takes place. It's good for the soul when we worship. There's a cleansing that comes in. Hey Amen. I, I, I I've seen people that that were going through some of the most crucial moments of their life, the darkest places that they'd ever walked in. I've seen them walk 
past everybody else and walk to an altar. And I've seen them broken and crying and weeping. And I've seen them stand there before God. And then, then in the brokenness, I've seen their mouths begin to form words like this. Oh, God, you're holy. You know, they didn't feel like clapping their hands. They didn't feel like running in the aisles. They didn't feel like dancing. But there was something coming out of them. Oh, God, I lift my voice to you today. Not because anybody's asking me to, God, but because you're worthy. There is nobody like you, God. There are, there's angels that float through this atmosphere. There's, there's food on the table, God. There's things around me. But God, I just want to stand here today and tell you how wonderful you are. I want to tell you how grateful I am for all that you've done. So I want to ask the question tonight here, is there, is there any true worshipers in this house? You don't care what anybody else says or does or thinks. You're just going to open your heart and let worship flow out.